Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. St. Charles County Executive Steve Ellman will call it quits after his term ends in 2026. The Republican countywide office holder has seen a lot of changes in his county and Missouri since he started his political career in the late 1980s. And on the latest episode of Politically Speaking, Elman details why some of those changes haven't been good ones. Let's hit the music. This is Politically Speaking, the definitive show about politics in the St. Louis region. I thought this was an opportunity to have a new voice in that seat. And the decisions I make in county government allows me to help people in large groups, and I enjoy it. We're not using it as a wedge issue. We're using it more as a, you know, what's right for the region conversation. We need to know what the issues are in our communities in order to address them. Because people want to see change, and they want to see a St. Louis that works for everyone. Some days I need to credit, most days I don't. But most importantly, I have to be able to control how this environment is going to evolve. We knew that in races that that have multiple candidates, the only way you win is in the streets. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me in studio today is St. Charles County Executive Steve Ellman. You have said that you are not running for another term in 2026. Uh, it would have been your sixth term. Why did you decide to call it a career in county government? Well, because six is not my lucky number and uh, thought I'd quit while I was ahead. No, seriously, um, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of reasons. Um, it's just politics, of course, is not what it used to be, at least uh, in my experience. Um, the whole political scene right now has just changed a lot and most of the change, I think, has been uh, negative. Um, I remember when I served in the legislature, I had Democrat, equal number of Democrat and Republican friends, and uh, we used to uh, fight all afternoon on the floor, and and then we'd go out and have, uh, have dinner together that night. Uh, and you never got personal with anybody because the person you were debating against today, tomorrow, you may be on the same side and you're working together. Uh, we've kind of lost that approach, and um, we can discuss why that happened. Uh, I, I think it's. I think we need to get back to the point where we actually have free and fair discussion and try to work out our differences and compromise and get some some bills passed. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I know one thing that the young people starting off today in politics are not going to have as much fun as I did the last 30 years. Well, you mentioned that uh, about the Democratic and Republican dichotomy. Isn't every elected office in St. Charles filled by a Republican at this point? Uh, yes. Okay. So what are the dividing lines in St. Charles politics just between like more quote unquote moderate re Republicans and just ultra conservatives at this point? Well, you know, and again, remember, I'm, I'm involved in regional issues. Yeah. And, and yeah, the problems that, uh, that I'm talking about that we didn't have in Jefferson City when I was there, we, to an extent we do have today on regional issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm down at East West Gateway. And um, uh, 
again, it's uh, it's getting more and more difficult to compromise down there because uh, you know you have people from the extreme left and some people from the extreme right, uh, and uh, it's just getting tougher and tougher. Now back to your your question about St. Charles. Yeah, we we have all uh, we have all Republicans, but just like there's a split within the Democratic Party between the more moderate and the more uh, liberal or progressive. In the Republican Party, there's there's the uh, same kind of split between the more traditional Reagan Republicans and the uh, uh, MAGA Republicans, um, and that's a you know that's something we've been able to deal with the last few years. But it's it's um, it's a it's just a different attitude, and I don't know if you've seen any of our meetings. Um, uh, the time I've been in office, I've always been open to free and fair debate. I've always listened to people who want to come in and complain about something I've done or tell me what I need to do. Uh, and, and I'm totally fine with sitting there and listening to those uh, those folks who disagree with me. I don't understand why they feel they have to be disagreeable while they're disagreeing. And that seems to be more and more acceptable today. It's it's uh, it's not just saying uh, we disagree with you and here's why. It's name calling, it's um, distorting the facts, and you know there's two types of distortions going on here. The first is by people who are innocent uh, and just uninformed and don't take the time to study the issue and find out exactly who can do what in this particular situation and what the limits are. Uh, in any particular government. And uh, then there's the other group who know the answers to all those things and know that what these people are asking is not doable, uh, but yet they demagogue it and encourage those people, even though what they're saying is either not true or not something that we can actually deal with. Now, a lot of the angst that you're kind of alluding to, at least in St. Louis County, revolved around COVID policy for yeah. a long mm -hmm. time. Um, St. Charles had a much different COVID policy, which I'm sure you're going to explain. But do you think that some of that anger is from the remnants of the pandemic? Yeah. And, and basically, I, I loved my job until about four or five years ago, um, you know, and I would have, you know, had no plans on retiring anytime soon. But starting with the, the pandemic is when, and when things really started to sour a lot. First thing, uh, when everything went virtual, uh, like at East-West Gateway, um, you know, I think it's a, to get things done, you need to know the people you're working with. You, get to, you need to get to know them and figure out, okay, we may disagree on these three things, but here's the five things we can work together on. Uh, I don't think I was face-to-face -face with, um, with Mayor Jones for about a year. I, I was on several Zoom calls with her, and we talked about things, but I didn't feel like I knew her any better uh, a year later. And we've since gotten to know each other a little better, and we disagree on a lot of things, but we, we try to have a, a free and fair debate. Um, but the, the problem, um, the, the other problem is when everybody closed in St. Louis County, and really even in St. Charles County, we were the only legislative body opened every meeting. I think we limited the number of people at, a, at, a, at the first two meetings, mm -hmm. but then we just started letting anybody want to come, could come in. Uh, and uh, what, what we ended up with was you, you couldn't, Jeff City was closed. Uh, all the cities were closed. All the, you know, all the school district boards 
were closed meetings. What we ended up with for about almost two years was anybody who had a gripe about anything showed up at our meetings. And it didn't matter that I would get up and explain that if you have a problem with that, you need to talk to your people in Jeff City or explain to them that, you know, unless the law has changed, we can't tell the schools what to do when it comes to quarantines and masks. But it, it just seemed that people were just there to complain, and we were the convenient place to do it. And again, uh, it just got way too personal. And I don't know exactly when all that became acceptable, but um, I'm just afraid if that continues, you're going to get a situation where uh, reasonable people who have a good job and a nice family and plenty of friends and who just want to uh, give back a little bit, they're going to they're going to they're going to join some not-for-profit. They're not going to run for office, and the yeah. only people going to run for office are the people on the extreme right and extreme left that want to that want to sit up there and listen to people uh, call them names the way they're doing it now. So you are one of the unique people in Missouri politics who has been part of the state legislative branch. I think you were in the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. You were also part of the judiciary because you were an associate circuit judge. Right. And then you were also in at least the local executive branch mm-hmm. in St. Charles County since 2007. Um, I could ask, like, how are those three things different? But I think we all know that all those experiences are different. So Aren't be... you going to ask me which one I like the best? Oh, well, yeah. Well, OK, which one did you like the best before I get I to my to next say, question? I used to say that uh, I like the executive branch the best because you can do whatever you want until a judge tells you to stop. Uh-huh which is what the Supreme Court told the president today on uh, forgiving the, uh, the student loans. Yeah. Um, so that's what I used to say, but that was somewhat a facetious answer. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I was a judge, and, uh, and, and it was an interesting job to an extent. Um, but, you know, I gave up five years of a six-year term and went back and became director of administration. And... Um, I, people ask me why, and I gave them several different uh, excuses why I wanted to do that. But one of my f- colleagues said, Steve, why don't you just admit it? You'd still rather be a player than an umpire. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it was. I, I was a judge here. I was sitting there sentencing people to prison, and I'm reading their history, life history, and realizing, boy, this this person really didn't have much of a chance. I mean, he, he got three chances, but... You know, his home life was so terrible. I just I just wanted to get back where you could actually do something and make a difference. We've tried to do that in uh, in St. Charles County the last 16 years. Uh, I guess we've done a, a pretty decent job because people are still moving there. Um, and at the last uh, election, people asked me, so what do you want? Why do you want to run again? What do you want to do? And I said, I just don't want to mess anything up. I want to keep us going. I said, but what I do want to do if I can get elected one more time, what I do want to do is we got to get this region moving because eventually everybody who wants to move to St. Charles County from the rest of the region will do it, and then we'll be no growth too. Uh, we grew 13% in the county. The region only grew 1.3%. Yeah, that was going to be – so say in 2007, what was the population of St. Charles County off the top oh, of your head? Well, I don't know, uh, 300,000. Okay, and what is it now? 415. So it has grown – by probably a larger percentage of any county in Missouri during that time period, yeah. maybe Christian County, if you use percentage. Of the, of, of the large counties, uh, it's by far grown the most. Why do you think that it was an attractive place for people to move? Two, two reasons, and, and it's been growing since I was a kid. I was born in 1950, 
and that's about the time that St. Charles started to grow. In 57, they built a new bridge, and more people came. Um, but they started coming then, and they still come today for two reasons. Good schools, public and parochial, good schools, and safe neighborhoods. If we ever quit having good schools, or we ever start having unsafe neighborhoods, people will go somewhere else. And I think, I think it's that simple. As far as the schools are concerned, I don't know if you noticed the, uh, the rankings that came out a few months ago based on the MAP scores and everything. Um, and Francis Howell and Fort Zumwalt actually jumped ahead of, of, of Parkway and Rockwood, um, which I think is a tremendous achievement. Uh, I don't know. I think it's partially because we're doing a good job. Maybe it's because Parkway and Rockwood didn't, uh, uh, didn't have uh, in-school uh, instruction, and, and, and we did for the kids who could and wanted to be there. Uh, and as far as, um, you know, as far as the uh, uh, crime is concerned, we, we have the lowest crime rate in the region, about 16 percent. Even Franklin, Jefferson Franklin are up around 20 and of course, St. Louis County, I think, is the 38, and St. Louis City is just off the chart. Now, we've talked about this before, but I think there's a perception that St. Charles County is like this homogenous place where everybody is wealthy or well-to-do or white. Um, I think that that is a very shallow reading of things. First of all, 120 years ago, I think the, um, the, um, the African-American population was about 10%. Mm. And those people stayed. Uh, we didn't have a lot of additional, you know, the, the movement uh, after World War One, you know, from Mississippi, Arkansas, up to St. Louis, that particular migration, not, we didn't have a lot of that come to St. Charles. And then for about 30 years, St. Charles didn't grow at all. With the coming of the interstate and people start moving, it grew, but it was primarily uh, whites uh, that, that, that moved. And so our, instead of 10%, we went to 5% and then 4 3 I think we got as low as 2% 20, 30 years ago. Now we're up around 8 or 9% again. And uh, it's every, if you look at the last three or four census, every time we're, we're growing. And I think, uh, I think the minority populations that moved to St. Charles are moving there for the same reason I just talked about. They're, they're, they want their kids to go to good schools and they want to be in safe neighborhoods. They don't want their car being stolen. And they don't want their kids being worried about their kids walking home from school. And I think another thing we've talked about before is because there's only a certain number of municipalities and there's only a certain number of schools, especially compared to St. Louis County, uh, there is kind of the critical mass and the funding pooling, so to speak, mm -hmm. to provide services for people that are low income compared to St. Louis County, where there's like 85 cities, like 20 plus school districts, all that. 92 and 25. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I think that they've gone down a little bit because some of them have disincorporated. But, okay. But how, the, okay, for for a person that doesn't know municipal governance that well, you, they may be like, so what? What what difference does that make? But it, clearly, a, do, it clearly does make a big makes difference. Makes a gigantic difference. Uh, we are number one in average, uh, our median income, I think. Um, number one in the state. St. Louis County is right behind us. I mean, it's it's not really much of a difference on the median income. The difference is St. Louis County has the extremes of the very rich and the very poor. We have very few 
very rich people and we have very few very poor people. We've got moderately rich and moderately poor and we got a whole bunch of people in between. Instead of 90 or however many municipalities, we've got uh, six major cities or five major cities. We got two or three that could become major cities someday. But those, those five major cities are all big enough that number one, uh, they can have neighborhoods for all types of people within their city limits. So unlike St. Louis County, where all the poor people tend to live in one part of the county and the rich people elsewhere, we have these cities, and each city has its share of poor, rich, and a lot of people in between. What does that mean? That means they're big enough to have a police force, and all of our five major police forces, none of them have a disproportionate part of the problem. It's not like in St. Louis County, where some municipalities have a high crime and others have a low. Everybody can take a, a part of the problem and deal with it. And the same is true with only five school districts. Those five school districts, because we are dispersed the way we are, every one of those districts has some very, very high-performing schools, and every one of those school districts have a, have a couple schools that are having problems. But they've got the resources then to help the schools that are having problems, and you don't have situations like you do in St. Louis County where... Uh, you know, you have 95% of the kids on free and reduced lunch, and to the extent that those poor kids tend to have more problems and need more help, the schools are just overwhelmed. And mainly like North St. Louis County yeah, schools absolutely. is what you're talking about yeah. there. Now, we, we talked about regionalism, and I think another criticism of St. Charles County is that St. Louis and St. Louis County participate in taxing jurisdictions to fund you know, the zoo, the history museum, all those sort of things, and also Metrolink. But St. Charles County, particularly the voters, because to be fair, the voters would have to mm -hmm. actually vote for this. They haven't participated in this, even though they're getting the benefits of some of the amenities of the St. Louis region. Mm -hmm. Do you think there will come a point, maybe after you're out of office, where St. Charles County directly contributes financially through taxes to some regional endeavors like well, Metrolink or the Z Museum District? I, I don't see Metrolink. Uh, I don't see us being part of that. But, uh, you know, we already, and this was passed the last year I was in the Senate. We passed the uh, the bill for the regional parks uh, initiative. Which I think is Great Rivers yeah, it's Greenway. Great Rivers Greenway. We have three members on that board. We have now for 23 years. Um, Bernie Dubray, who, uh, who's the superintendent of Ford Zumalt, one of our... Uh, one of our people that's on it. Um, but yeah, we've been paying taxes into that. We've got a lot of uh, trails. We've uh, worked with them on a lot of different things. And the last time, of course, the whole issue uh, with the zoo came up a few years ago, and they tried to get uh, the legislature uh, to go ahead and authorize a tax. And they couldn't get the, uh, the, the legislators in St. Charles County to agree to that. So we really we're in a position where we could make that uh, choice of sending it to the voters, and the voters could then make the final decision. But what we did do is anticipation that they might, we did some polling. And we found out that uh, if we'd put something like that on the ballot, it probably would not have passed, okay, to, to, to pay into the fund that supports the facilities that are in St. Louis City and County. So what we did is we went out and um, we bought an extra 200 acres uh, in one of our parks because the zoo was looking for 450 acres mm -hmm. for a conservation area 
I don't know if you remember that. No, I remember that. Yeah, okay. So we went and we, we, we put together 450 acres. We went to the zoo board and said, uh, we will go ahead and lease that land to you for a dollar a year. And we've got a million dollars of additional park revenue that will contribute to maintaining it if you will go ahead and put your conservation area there. And they said, no thanks. They went to North County instead. They went to North County and and paid $7 million, I think, for, for 450 acres there. And to get the money to pay for it, they put a, a tax increase on the ballot, which the people paid for. And I, you know, I didn't say anything, but I, I figured at that point, in the future, when people like you ask me a question like that, no, that's the story I tell But them. I went up to the, I think it was the head of the zoo, and I was like, would you be in favor of a situation where St. Louis, St. Louis County, and everybody from out of state gets in for free, but Jeffco, St. Charles, Lincoln County, the, the, the collar counties that don't pay have to pay a $5 admission fee. Now, he said, no, that's never going to happen. But you kind of understand my angst here that when you talk about like, well, we have this free zoo and this free museum. Yeah, it's free for you. You live in St. Charles County. It's not free for me living in St. Louis County where it comes out of my property taxes. Yeah, and, I know, and how I, do you feel about this? Yeah. St. Louis County pays about 80% of the, of the money into the zoo, into the ZMD. And yet they still have only have half the seats. The city pays 20% and they have the other half. I mean, as a St. Louis County resident, I have never thought about that before, but to be, and, and this is a super specific situation for me, I live in Richmond Heights and I can literally walk to the zoo. So, I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a strong yeah. opinion about that, but I, I, get, I get your point. I lived in Richmond Heights when I was in law school. Oh, you? It's a nice place. Yeah. Why, why don't you think St. Charles County voters will ever pay into Metrolink? If the county continues to grow, it seems like there could be a need for public transportation in some because, Some sense because Metrolink ridership is down, what forty percent over the last four or five years. And that's just you're talking about light rail, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. what about like the bus service? Well, the bus service. I tell you what, uh, we hear about people asking about bus bus service when gasoline gets above what three or four dollars a gallon. Yeah. Uh, and the last time it did, um, Mayor St. Peter's Len Pagano and I we actually went down and met with. The Metrolink and found out what it would call, what kind of subsidy they would need to take the bus that goes to Earth City and just simply come across the river to St. Charles, and the bus that goes to Chesterfield Mall to simply cross the river into St. Charles. And we and we got some numbers, and it was uh, it was relatively cheap for S Chesterfield and relative expensive for St. Charles, but. By the time they did all the research, by the time we had the meeting, gasoline was back down to $2 a gallon, and uh, and nobody really cared. They did have bus service for years, mm -hmm. all the way out to Mid-Rivers, and they were they just didn't have enough people ride it to justify keeping it. So what do you think that the St. Louis region writ large has to do policy-wise to prevent what you talked about earlier, which is like some of the collar counties start experiencing negative or, or flat growth, similar to what ha is kind of happening with St. Louis County right now? I think the first thing, there's two things. And the first one is, uh, uh, of course, deals with the whole crime situation. Second one deals with the transportation uh, plan that we uh, just approved the other day down at, uh, down at East West Gateway. But with crime, I think people have heard the, the arguments before. Uh, as a region, 
we uh, every time the Cardinals uh, are in the World Series or win a World Series or the Blues win a Stanley Cup, uh, this perception that we are a great sports town is is reinforced. I'm not sure if we're a better sports town than anywhere else because I've never lived anywhere else. But it's fine, and we, and we and we tend to be proud of of that perception. We also, unfortunately, over the last five or six years, we've developed a, a reputation for having a crime problem. And you and I both know that 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 problem is in a, a certain part of the region. But I'm not sure people really uh, make the distinction. Uh, it's it's St. Louis. St. Charles, we've been growing and having great success, but nobody ever uh, started out wanting to move to St. Charles. They started out looking for a place to put their business. They thought, well, let's look at the St. Louis region. And when they did, they said, oh, St. Charles has got a lot going for it. But I'm afraid now St. Louis region's just getting crossed off their list. They'll never find out about St. Charles or any of the good things that are going on all over the region because, because this perception they have about crime. And if I can tell you a specific story, uh, sure. this AFG American Food Group, they're, they're going to Warren County, uh, about 1,000 yards over the St. Charles County line. So it's going to really impact the western part of St. Charles County. going to bring a lot of jobs, spend a lot of money, build a, build a beautiful factory and whatever. But uh, they're, uh, they were, the company is owned by a, a family. They've got a, a dad and his two kids who run, run it. They live in Milwaukee. They've got places all over the country. They have three or four other places they could have gone with this. They came to Missouri. A governor came down, met with them. I think, you know, he's a cattleman. He probably spoke their language. And Anyway, they go back to Milwaukee. They have their meeting. The two kids, I'm told, first thing they said was, Dad, we can't go. We can't go to St. Louis with all the crime there. Okay? And the dad uh, told them the truth, the facts about it. Um which everybody in St. Louis knows, but not everybody in Milwaukee or New York or San Francisco or, or London. You know, they, they don't know that, uh, those facts. Luckily, in this case, the, the, the father did. They made the decision. They came here. But you just wonder how many other discussions like that went the other way. So we talk, I, I don't disagree with anything of what you're saying. I yeah. think the question is, like, what do you do to actually reduce crime? Like, St. Louis and St. Louis County voters approved significant sales tax increases in 2017 aimed at providing more money for both of the police forces. And as somebody who lives in St. Louis County, and the the tax, I think, is a lot more significant in terms of the amount of money it brings in, I just haven't seen much impact with that. And I haven't seen much impact in the city. Because a lot of Republicans are like, well, you can't reduce money to the police because, de quote unquote, defunding the police is going to make things less safe. Well, in those two jurisdictions, you could argue the opposite was done, and it hasn't really worked either. But you're looking at the funding. Yeah. The funding has increased. How about the number of police officers? Mm. I, I mean, I don't know what the latest number is. They're way down, and I have people that used to be on the uh, the, the uh, commission uh, tell me if they don't do something, they're just going to keep losing more every year with attrition. And, um, again, I mean, that's... That's something that, um, I don't know. I mean, the people people that were elected said they were going to do things like that, and they got elected, they got reelected. What do we need to do? Well, I mean, I, I did a piece in the Business Journal back in September and suggested four or five things that needed to be done, and if the, if the city itself didn't change, then I thought the legislature needed to, to step in. 
And uh, for the first time, and I've been trying to encourage the legislature to at least start a debate. That this year, at least they had a debate, okay? Now, they didn't do anything in the end. That's fine. That's fine because the attorney general, of course, did what he did. And you know the whole story. Kim Gardner, we don't yeah. know to go. But I don't think anybody anymore uh, thinks that uh, that that was a bad thing to, uh, to put Gabe Gore in her place. And I think he's going to do a super job. He's the real deal. I uh, hope he runs. I hope he gets elected. But at least in the short run, you're going to fix that problem. Now, the police, maybe the new chief will come in, give him a year. Uh, I'm, I'm a local I mean, I believe in local control. I'm a local elected official. I want the city to go ahead and fix its own problems. But if the, if the city doesn't fix its own problems, its reputation is hurting all of us, and I want the people in Jeff City to step in. Do you think that part of the problem with recruiting is that police officers want to work in municipalities, not only in St. Charles County, but also St. Louis County, which probably pay better than the St. Louis City Police Department, the St. Louis County Police Department, but also just may be less dangerous. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I'll, I'll add another factor to it. Uh, people, police officers like working in St. Charles County because they know our citizens support them. Hmm. Our citizens are, are not naive. They understand police can make mistakes like everybody, uh, but, but they support them. They help them when they can. They go and testify in tri at trials when they have to. And the police know that the people are behind them. And I think that that's got to, if you have that kind of job, that's got to make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand, you know, uh, some of the attitudes of, of in some of the neighborhoods. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in, in, in the city of St. Charles and, you know, we had, even then, I mean, we had, we had a lot of African-Americans. I lived, I, I walked through the African-American neighborhood every day on the way to my, my job. And my dad delivered milk to them. And, and I knew, I knew a lot of, uh, a lot of African-Americans growing up. And I can't believe that they and their kids and grandkids don't, don't feel the same way that they did back then. They, they want safe neighborhoods as much as anybody else. Yeah. And I think we talked about this though around Ferguson though. Like there were a lot of cities in St. Louis County which had police forces where they were clearly trying to bilk residents for revenue and they clearly weren't well trained compared to other departments, maybe in St. Charles County or even St. Louis County Police. And a lot of those communities are majority African-American. So it seems like they would have a reason to not support police departments that are actively doing them harm. What, what would you say to that? Well, I, I think I may have, may have told you what uh, what we did about that even before Ferguson. Uh, I uh, one day going down to East West Gateway meeting, I, I noticed five police cars on the way uh, with speed traps on on Highway 70, mm -hmm. okay, through North County. And next time I saw Chief Fitch, I said, "What's what's going on here?" And he told me the racket that was going on. And uh, I actually he put me onto a meeting with uh, several. Uh, uh, black ministers in, in North County. And we got together and uh, I can send you the, the bill. Uh, Tom Dempsey put a bill in, you know, the, the Max Law, uh, Max, Max Creek, Creek Law. Law yeah. And we went ahead and we wanted to, we wanted to apply that to, to everywhere in the St. Louis region. We wanted to, instead of 35, we wanted to go down to 20. Uh, we ended up, had to compromise. We got it applied to St. to the region 
but instead of going down to 20, we had to go, I think, to 25 or something like that. Are and you then, talking about uh, tw in 2015? Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is even before. Yeah. And I, then when Senate Bill 5, yeah. Senate Bill 5 went ahead and actually went all the way to 10. I think it was 12.5. It was 10, it was 10 in, the, in St. Louis and 20 elsewhere. It was 12.5% in St. Louis County, but 20 elsewhere. Yes, and, uh, and the, the cities went to court, and the court said, yeah, you can't discriminate against uh, St. Louis municipalities. So now it's 20. So anyway, yeah, that, uh, and I remember uh, one of the pastors and I went down and talked to Tony Messenger and the people at Post-Dispatch, and they wrote a nice editorial about it, uh, helped us get it through. But until until Ferguson, again, it just didn't get the attention that it deserved, and it was a it, it, it was a racket. It was a just a way to to make money instead of uh, instead of raising taxes. When did you first get elected to the legislature? I ran in uh, November '88 and took office on January '89. So you're like one of the <clears throat> few elected officials that has actually served in the 1980s. I think Roy yeah. Blunt might have been the last person. Yeah. So I think the answer is a lot has changed, but give me a sense of like some of the big things that have changed in Missouri politics from that point to now. Well, what people don't understand is that uh, the, the, the populace, the Missouri voter hasn't really changed. What changed is, and this is uh, when I, when I was, uh, after I went to Jeff City and people would uh, want to run after that and or they get elected and they say, how do I prepare? I tell them to get a good history of Missouri during the Civil War because you really couldn't understand Missouri politics in 1989 unless you, you knew something about the Civil War because what you had, when I got up there, I found out there were conservative Democrats from the Boot Hill and from Little Dixie and and you know, south of Kansas City, the Burnt District, where the Union Army ran everybody out during the Civil War, there were Democrats representing those areas that were way more uh, conservative than I was. Yeah. Okay? And and why were why did people elect Democrats? Well, it went back to the stories they heard growing up from their grandparents and their great-grandparents about how terrible it was and the and and these Republicans were the ones who uh, who burned our, our homes down and so anyway, yeah, we had um, the population was just as conservative then, but it 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 elected uh, the conservatives elected half of them were Republicans from suburban areas, and the other half were Democrats from rural areas, and that's what's changed. And finally, the people in the rural areas who started off maybe voting for Reagan was the first de uh, Republicans they ever voted for. Then in a few years, they were voting for people like John Ashcroft. And, and, and maybe uh, maybe Jack Danforth or whatever, uh, but they were still voting for senators and reps who were conservative Democrats, and they were conservative. Uh, they they really were conservative. And, and the Democratic Party had a the caucus had a tough time uh, having the diverse elements that it had. Mm -hmm. But that's that's the only thing that changed. I'm just a little disappointed. Some of the things that I worked on the most when I was in the Senate. And we couldn't get done because the Republicans didn't have the majority. I thought when we took over, we would, we would do some of those things, and we and we haven't. Like what? Like education in the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, we worked on the DSEG plan. We sent a whole lot more money, and um, there's a lot nicer schools now, and everybody's getting the the books they need to get at the right time and place. 
but the test scores haven't gone up. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's additional things that, that need to be done. Uh, I think I think we need to have better teachers. I think we need to demand more of our teachers. And I, it just seems to me like the Republicans, who are mainly suburban and rural, have just kind of said, well, we, the city's getting their money. Uh, you know, we're not worried about it anymore. There will probably be a 900-way Republican primary to replace you. Um what advice would you have for the eventual winner of that primary? Because I think even though I think the county has Democratic areas, I think it's pretty safe to say that your successor is probably going to be a Republican. Um, what would kind of be your advice for whoever ends up replacing you? Well, if, if my staff is all still around uh, three or six months and one day from now, I, first thing I would tell them is keep my staff. They've got the institutional memory. Um, I know they won't. My, uh, my assistant, who's been with me since 1989, with an with a, a eight-year hiatus while I was a judge, and she was uh, Senator Gross's assistant. She's been with me since 89. She's, uh, her last day is Monday. I don't know how we're going to replace her. Um, but when we replace her, we, we can get somebody maybe with her skills, but not with her institutional memory. And uh, Bob Schnur, I know he's about my age. He's he's thinking of retiring in a year or two. So I, I will not be the only one retiring, and there will be a turnover. Uh, but when you come into a job like this, again, I, I was able to come in as director of administration for three years. I learned everything about county government that I didn't already know. Uh, there's probably going to be somebody coming in next who's going to have very little experience. They're going to have to rely on the people that are there, and I'm going to try to lead them with as good or better a group of, uh, of uh, staff than, than I had when I first got there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can read all of our stories at stlpr.org. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and thank you for listening. a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.